Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and to each other. I'm Ami Vora. Today, Epicenter reporter Andrea Pineda Salgado joins us to share the story of an Ecuadorian father, grandfather, lawyer, and business owner. He now lives in New York City and sells face masks on the corner of Junction Boulevard and Roosevelt Avenue. Antonio had a comfortable life in the port city of Guayaquil until he was diagnosed with a kidney cancer. That's when he began undergoing treatments, and with no one to oversee his pharmacies, they went out of business. Antonio told me he was also receiving death threats around that time. Doing that profession, in that city, I received threats from a group, just because I am serious about my job. And there was a man that pointed a gun at me because I claimed that he was making too much noise. There was no way to sleep, and he threatened me, so I made the complaint, called the police, but he was all protected by the police. Antonio told me his bills began to pile up, so he packed up his life and moved to Machala, a city about four hours away from his home, in hopes of finding work. But despite his background, he found nothing. So in 2017, when he was declared cancer-free, he made the decision to move to the U.S. And finally, after securing a visa, he boarded a one-way flight to New York City in February of 2020. Here, Antonio quickly found work as a dishwasher at an Italian restaurant in Flushing. But by March, as the news of COVID spread, his hours were cut. I worked for three months because they gave me a few hours. A few hours, that was it. I came in February, but in March, the news started that there is COVID. In mid-March or so, at work, it was a little bit complicated. Antonio is now considered an undocumented immigrant after overstaying on a tourist visa. This means he's not entitled to any federal benefits. No unemployment, no stimulus checks. He told me he had no idea what he'd do after losing work at the restaurant. But while wandering around Queens one day, he came across a man selling face masks. So Antonio bought boxes for $75 each and began selling masks individually for $2.50 along Roosevelt Avenue. I went out to the streets, found an old bicycle lying there on the floor, and I asked the man that took it out, are you going to throw it away? He said, yes, yes. Do you like it? Just put oil on it and that's it. So I took it. They charged me $10 to put oil on it. And then I went to look for masks. I went all over these places that I did not know, looking for masks. Until I arrived at a place where there were 10 boxes. For now, every day, Antonio hauls a cart with boxes of masks a few blocks from his apartment to the corner of Junction Boulevard and Roosevelt Avenue. He is 60 years old and has endured working outside during a harsh winter and a hot summer. 
His life here is a stark contrast to his life in Ecuador, but Antonio doesn't see himself doing this type of work for much longer. As the pandemic restrictions are lifted, he won't have nearly as much business selling masks anymore. So what's his plan for the future? He hopes to begin the process of revalidating his degrees, but first, he'll need a work permit and the ability to work with dignity. To hear more of Antonio's story, visit epicenter-nyc.com. We've also linked to the full article in our show notes. Next up, every week we're excited to introduce you to one of our neighbors, someone just like you. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Mazen Sid Ahmed. He's the co-executive director of Documented, a nonprofit news site that's devoted to covering New York City's immigrants and the policies that affect their lives. He previously worked for The Guardian, Politico, and The Daily Star in Beirut. Here's a little bit of his New York story. My name is Mazin Sid Ahmed. I'm the co-executive director of Documented. We're a nonprofit news outlet that covers New York City's immigrants and the policies that affect their lives. I am really proud of our recent reporting on Chinatown and the Chinese New Yorkers generally. We recently published a piece on Asian Americans for Equality. It's a nonprofit that purports to to provide affordable housing for Asian Americans in the city and receives a lot of grants from the government to do that. But what um, our reporter found is that the nonprofit was actually just acting like a lot of other New York City landlords and treating its tenants horribly. We also published a piece on Patrick Mock, a businessman in Chinatown who went viral for confronting Mayor Bill de Blasio, but has a long history of wage theft and was being sued by some of his employees. We also published a beautiful piece by Lam Tuvo on the mutual aid efforts uh, in Chinatown and how people stepped up in the neighborhood when the government failed to support them. And during Asian American and Pacific Islanders Heritage Month, I was really proud to publish these pieces and want to continue to to do this work and uplift these stories in New York City. I first arrived in New York in 2015. I came in to study. I didn't think I was, no, or think I was going to stay long term, but I think like many people, I just felt really at home here. Somebody that has moved around for most of their lives and um, don't quite have a place that I can necessarily call home. And I think there are a lot of people like that in New York. So that made me feel really connected to the city and the people that live here. Yeah, and I've I've been here now for six years and I intend to stay here for a lot longer. I don't know if I even consider myself a New Yorker, so I'm not sure if I could say when I became a New Yorker. I feel like it's something that New Yorkers have to induct me into. I'm not sure if I can say that I am one myself yet. My favorite New York City sound, my favorite New York City sound is definitely the sound of hip-hop blaring from people's car speakers. I just, I grew up as a hip-hop head, so just walking around Best-Eye and hearing people blaring old-school hip-hop or, you know, 90s classics or even like the most recent hits. I love that, hearing people listen to Afro beats. 
I love it during the summer, especially because you get the vibe for like what's really like the song of the summer, you know. Last year, everyone was listening to Pop Smoke and who knows what it will be this year. So I love that and it, it feels like everybody's connected and on the same wavelength. So that would be my favorite New York City sound. To learn more about what Mazin's been working on at Documented, use the link in our show notes. Finally, before we go, a quick highlight from one of our recent live streams. On May 26th, we hosted a virtual event called Run the World, What Women Should Demand in a Post-Pandemic Workplace. Panelists included Jeannie Chang, mental health expert and bestselling author, Lisette Martinez, she's the EVP and Chief Diversity Officer at Jefferson Health, Lucy Flores, who's the CEO and co-founder of Loose Collective, and Vanessa Stair. She's the Strategic Partnerships Manager for Social Impact at Facebook. It was a conversation that was moderated by Epicenter's Mitra Kalita. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining URL Media and The Unmuted for this um, special live stream. The discussion topic for tonight is Run the World, What Women Should Demand in a Post-Pandemic World. There's no denying that the pandemic has disproportionately affected women. Other things that I have seen that are, are critical that really affect our for- workforce, which is mostly women, will forever live with the women in healthcare is the trauma that they've experienced in having to witness the incredible amount of death and suffering on their own. Childcare is such an essential, um, it's, it's just such an essential component of our daily lives. And I think that there was not enough to set up, set up such a fragile system for success. I used to tell people, but I was lucky because so many more young people in my community did not make it out. And in fact, statistically speaking, to this day, we know the outcome of a certain percentage of the population depending on where they live, what their zip code is. If you have every structural challenge placed in your way, the odds are you probably aren't going to make it. And we have to acknowledge that so that we can talk about the bigger structural issues that need to be changed and stop focusing so much on this idea that everything is about personal choice and personal responsibility. Look at what you already bring to the table. Women tend to look at what we're not doing enough of, what we're not good at. No, reframe that perspective. What are you already good at? What are you doing well? Amplify it. And then lastly, honestly, own your success. You are the expert of your identity. The conversation was also sponsored by Miss Hall School, which is an independent college preparatory school for girls. You can learn more about Miss Hall's through the link in our show notes. The full conversation is up on Epicenter NYC's YouTube channel. As with everything else, you can find a link to it in our show notes. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to tune in again next week. Epicenter NYC is a newsletter about creating community in the city we all love. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website, and it's also linked to in our podcast description. Farewell! Farewell!